Our nation has seen another hurricane wreak havoc on our American soil. Hurricane Ian has hit Florida with a fury, and there has not just been massive property loss, but they even say land loss, that even land masses and islands will forever be altered in that part of the United States. But most importantly, our nation is awaiting the reports of the loss of life. They're estimating it to be in the hundreds. No one knows just yet in our city, if any city knows what it's like for loss of life and property. It has been New York some 10 years ago when Sandy hit our shore that with over 200 deaths and 650,000 homes destroyed 10 years ago, we're still reeling from that effect. I want to thank you because Times Square Church is going to be involved with the, with the relief, with the disaster relief. And because of what you have consistently and so generously done, we're going to keep you updated. We have already started that process with a number of churches. Cindy and I have been in touch with um, a number of churches and pastors that we are um, checking on them and then wanting to make sure that we are investing the best that we can and uh, with what they're doing there. We were hearing about the flooding that was reaching, that when the storm hit, the flooding was reaching in one family all the way up to the attic, and in order for them to save their infants, they had to put them in plastic bins and swim with them and float with them away to some, to some higher ground. The few years that Cindy and I and my family lived down south, we would prepare in the fall months for what they called hurricane season. We've experienced this. In that short time that we lived down south, we were pounded by two devastating hurricanes in that region. We were on the perimeter of a number of other ones that hit Houston and other cities. They normally say that September through November are hurricane months. And here's what I want you to follow me for just a second. What we have seen firsthand both not only when we lived in New York, but when we were down south, is winds cause damage, but flooding takes lives. The water comes in. It comes in with a, 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 a ferociousness, and it's the flooding, it's the water that takes the lives um, mostly. But could you imagine, I just remember those three months, people would be on edge down south, not knowing if you're going to be pounded one after the other. And sometimes that would happen. And that was the hard part. You'd see a hurricane come, and then right after that, another one would come in. Could you imagine if hurricane season was every month? Every month. Can you imagine if the winds and the flooding were constant, that just kept coming and coming and coming? The flooding, you, just when you started to clean out a house or just be, be, by the time that you've gotten a place all gutted out and, and, and starting a rebuilding process, another flood would come in. Can you imagine if that was happening over and over again? And folks, to a certain degree, it is happening. It's a spiritual flooding that is pounding the souls of people that are in the house of God. That every single day, a flood seems to come. The water is rising, and a spiritual flood continues to come to try to drown God's people. And it's so important today that we understand and not get ready for just certain seasons, but every single day we understand what's taking place. I want to read one passage of Scripture to you today, and I want you to stay with me on this because I believe as we go through what this flooding is coming, but I want you to understand we are going to shout in victory at the end because with Jesus we can make it. 
Listen to this verse in Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Hallelujah. Let me read that again. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And I want to talk to you about this spiritual flooding that is not seasonal, but it is happening every single day, drowning the souls of God's people. This storm always has a name. You don't have to go through the alphabet to figure it out. It is the enemy, the devil. It is Satan himself. So there is no need to name it. And as we go through this spiritual storm and as we begin to identify that way that the enemy seems to come in, I want to believe at the end that when we speak about the spirit of the Lord raising up a standard, I believe in this place there is going to be victory. There is going to be a shout of praise to know that God is with us today, that God is beginning to go through these things with us. So I want you to take out a piece of paper and I want you to write with me today. I want to talk to you first about the inevitability of the battle. That's the inevitability of the battle. The Bible says when the enemy shall come in. The key word Isaiah uses is when. When means the battle is inevitable. Isaiah does not say if. Isaiah says when it comes. Let me just be really clear with everyone here. The moment you become a Christian, you enter storm and flooding season. The day that you say yes to Jesus, you have said yes to a battle that is coming your way. And so let me also be clear with this. Part-time Christians can't defeat a full-time devil. You, if you are in Christian, you better be all in. You cannot defeat an enemy through just Sunday church services. You have to be a Christian every single day that you are crying out to him every single moment. Nothing is sacred to the devil. Everything is a target. If he attacks the wounds of pregnant mothers and seeks to have babies aborted before they're even birthed, trust me, the enemy is not intimidated to come after your marriage, your children, your church, your pastor, your, your, your marriage, everything. Everything is a target. And let me just say this. His biggest target was the Son of God when Jesus was on this planet. His biggest target. And keep this in mind. Whatever was experienced by Jesus should be expected by us. If he went after the Son of God, keep something very close to you. He is coming after you. We have this misconception that the battle or temptation is, comes because we've done something bad. But honestly, it's the opposite. Jesus wasn't tempted or attacked because he was bad. Jesus was tempted and attacked because he was the son of God. What, why does the enemy go after you now? Because everyone that has given their hearts to Jesus has Christ in them. It's not because you're evil that the enemy goes after you. It's because you're valuable to God. Listen, keep this in mind. It was the 17th century writer Thomas Watson who said, a thief will not assault an empty house, but only a house where he thinks there is a treasure. Satan doesn't tempt God's children because they have sin in them, but because they have grace inside of them. 
That's why the enemy goes after you. Let me explain it to you this way. Because of who's in you, because of whose you are, that's why you have become a target for the enemy. That's why it's always flooding season. That's why it's always storm season, because of whose you are. Let, let, me, let me give it to you like this. I read, I read some years ago that if you were to take who you are, just just your body and add up what you are worth just in chemicals and we were to sell you on eBay. They said the chemicals would add up to $3.86. That's so ladies, I've just empowered you that when your husband gets a little bit out of control, just look over at him and just say, hold on there, 386. Just keep this in mind. Of who you, It's not who you are, but whose you are. Keep this in mind now. Sotheby's in New York City a few years ago sold these items at an auction. Here it comes. Napoleon's toothbrush. $21,000. Jackie Onassis's fake, fake pearl necklace, $215,000. John F. Kennedy's wood, wood golf clubs, three quarters of a million dollars. Now think of it. Who would buy a used toothbrush? Who would buy wood golf clubs for three quarters of a million dollars? And who would buy fake pearls for a quarter of a million dollars? What makes these items valuable is not what they are intrinsically. That's the 386. It's all about who they belong to. If they belong to someone important, famous, or significant, their price skyrockets at an auction. Now keep this in mind, where your value is derived from. Since you belong to God, not, not, not the state, not the nation, not a political party, not to a denomination, since you belong to the maker of the universe, since you belong to God, your value has just skyrocketed at that moment. That's why on your own 386, with God inside of you, priceless. You are a son and daughter of God. Because Christ is in you, Satan is waging war on you today. We have to understand, it's inevitable. It's the inevitability that the moment you trust God, the battle begins against you. That's the inevitability. Let me tell you about the intensity of the fight. Here it is. The Bible says, shall come in like a flood. I have seen flood tragedies all over, not only our country, but in different parts of the world in relief efforts, from New Orleans to Haiti to Bangladesh to right here in New York City. The devastation from flooding is unimaginable. And the ones in third world countries have so many more things that go along with it, from mudslides to the disease left by standing water 
the power outages, the inability to get help from rural regions, even places that are not third world countries. When that flooding hits, like what happened to Puerto Rico with Hurricane Maria in 2017, they're still recovering from that. And then all of a sudden, Ian begins to come through. The devastation of flooding is even more deadlier than the winds. And for this reason, keep this in mind. Why is flooding used here? Because get this, because water gets into everything. It looks for the cracks and the slightest openings so it can begin to find its way in there. When the enemy comes in like a flood, this means that the enemy is looking for cracks, looking for little openings in the heart, mind, and soul. And if there is a crack anywhere, flooding begins to get in. The water rises and people are just treading, treading to stay alive, even spiritually, because of the flooding that seems to come. Cindy and I were thinking of these people drowning. Cindy and I were in California some years ago for a board meeting for a, a missions organization. And we were eating with some of the pastors at a restaurant that overlooked the beach. And while we were admiring its beauty, a pastor from Chicago literally looked at it with emotion. He said it was on that beach a few years ago that he, him and his 12-year-old son almost drowned to death. He said while we were swimming on that beach, and he pointed to the spot, he said that California undertow took his son, his 12-year-old boy, and started to take him out to sea, and he couldn't get in. He couldn't make it in. And he said he started to swim this pastor on vacation, thinking, let me go rescue my son, and then realized he was in the undertow himself. And there they were. He said, I was there with my 12-year-old son, and we were saying our last goodbyes to each other, thinking that this is it. And he said, and at one point, and there's a full beach of people, and no one as, as knows what's going on out there. And he said this, he said, they gave it one last chance and he said, by a miracle, they made it to shore, swam out of the toe, and laid exhausted on that beach. And here's what I learned from this when he told me about this. He, because he said in, this was happening in front of a full beach of people on the shore that they would have drowned in front of hundreds and no one knew that they were drowning. They said that the water, listen to this, they said drowning they call it the silent killer because most people drowned, one, under the watchful eyes of people, number two, and the victim is, in, is using all their strength to stay alive. They have no ability even to scream because they're using everything they can. So you literally, he says, that's why lifeguards are trained to watch and not to listen because those that are drowning are not screaming for help. They're trying to stay alive. And all I thought about was this, is that we could be sitting in the sanctuary right here today, not realizing that there could be people drowning around us, drowning right around us in this very place. And it calls for a watchful eye from us. It calls for a, an, an opportunity for us not just to come in and find our seat, but to go, God, what is happening? Because that flood is intensifying. It looks for cracks in all of our lives because the water is rising. 
and the enemy's flooding those cracks. I've experienced it in so many different levels. I've experienced this week one, you, you, you can have one text find a crack in your soul. One, one person's words find a crack inside of, inside of you. I, I, I sat down at one point because I felt like the enemy found a crack and started to go in. And I literally sat there and, just, and, and, and the, I felt the water rising in my soul and trying to drown me. Nobody around me as I'm, as I'm trying to stay alive. And all of a sudden, the thought started to, to, to rush me. God, maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. God, maybe my time is up in ministry. God, maybe. And, and all these crazy thoughts that are coming. Why? Because the enemy will find a crack. And I sat there and I just cried out. I said, God, I need rescue. God, I need you to come. God, I need the Holy Spirit right now. And folks, can I tell you, the Holy Spirit came. The Comforter. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Comforter. I needed somebody to help me fight these battles. The Bible says in John 14, 16 that Jesus says, I'll pray the Father and he shall give you another Comforter that he will abide with you forever. He says that Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, will come to you. And folks, I'm telling you, more than ever, I have experienced the comforting power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That if nobody else sees me, here's what I do know, God sees me. God is there. I have friends that work for Wycliffe Bible Translate, they're Bible translators. They go to regions of the world that where the Bible is not translated in someone's dialect or language and they spend time with the people to look for a way um, as they start learning the language to get the Bible and starting with the Gospels and then they'll start working with the New Testament, the Old Testament. And I was reading one of their stories of a translation. They were working with an African uh, group of people called the Kari people and they couldn't translate this word comforter. They couldn't figure it out what comforter meant and they couldn't translate it in the book of John. And they said one story changed it completely for the Kari people. Let me tell you the story that they wrote. They said the translator saw a group of men carrying wood on their head, on their heads, bringing it back to the village. And in the line was a man who was carrying nothing. And they assumed that must be the chief. That must be the boss of the group. And they discovered nothing was further from the truth. He had a special job that if any of those men would collapse under the weight that they were carrying because of the length of the journey, that man would run over and pick the man up and pick his load and walk with the load for him and help the man back to the village. They said at that moment in that Kari language, we said, we know what comforter is. It's the one who falls down beside us and helps us carry the weight on this journey to where we're going. They had 
the word comforter, that when somebody falls down, when somebody feels that flood beginning to weigh them down, the comforter, according to what the scripture says, the Holy Spirit comes right alongside of us, helps us pick that up and walks the rest of the journey. I don't know about you, but I know truly this week, I've had the comforter the Holy Spirit pick up what I couldn't carry and walk with me a journey that I couldn't walk unless the Holy Spirit showed up. And can I tell you something? You have someone who's there for you to help you carry your load, whether you're in the UK, the Philippines, or whether you're here on 51st and Broadway, we have the Holy Spirit to help us in this battle. I love the hymn. Listen to this. I love the hymn, my hope is built on nothing less. But it's that third verse, that third verse that always brings me comfort. When the writer says this, it's his oath, his covenant, his blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Hallelujah. Come on, you know this. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Listen to, listen to the words. His oath, his cover, Meant his blood supports me in the whelming flood when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope. And come on, lift your hand and sing that chorus on Christ the solid rock. I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Oh. Can I just tell you? And then when I really feel the load getting really heavy, I go right to that fourth verse, which is about the rapture. And it just says this, when he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, on Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the inevitability of the battle. The Bible says when he comes in like a flood, the enemy shall come in like a flood. And then it's the intensity that begins to come. He'll look for the cracks because that's what flooding does. 
the intensity begins to come and looks for anything in our mind and soul, anything that begins to happen to us, we begin then to feel the flooding and almost even the drowning that begins to take place. And we need that comforter stand with us. And then there's a word I've been wanting to use, and I've been saying this word over and over again, and I'll explain to you the definition. I love this word. It's not just the intensity and inevitability, but write this word down. I call it the indomitability of the believer. That is a great word that I'm about to give to you today. The word indomitability means this, impossible to defeat or subdue. This brought joy to my heart today. Listen, why is this true? Let me read you the verse again. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Okay, watch this now. Here comes the indomitability part. Here it comes. You ready for this? It says in the first part, shall come in like a flood. The last part says, the Spirit of the Lord, what does it say? Shall lift up a standard, which means the enemy has a shall and God has a shall. And the question is, whose shalls are going to win this battle here? He shall come in, but he shall raise up a standard. Folks, I don't know about you, but as certain as the flood is coming to you, you can be certain that you will have God with you in that flood. That I am telling you, if you want to know who shall wins, I shall tell you today. Because it says this, it shall, he shall lift up a standard. Now that phrase got me. Because I'm going, okay, if the win in this is that you don't stop the flood or plug up something, it says you lift up a standard. That always got me. What does lift up a standard mean? Because that's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard. It doesn't say dry up the water. He doesn't say remove the water. It says he shall raise up a standard against the flood of the enemy. And here's what even gets crazier. The word standard actually means a rallying point. It's a flag and a marker, a place for those people that are under the intensity of the attack of the enemy, that the water is rising. It is a rallying point for them. What is that rallying point for us? What is the flag that God places in the middle of the battles that go on. I have good news about God in flood times. Let me read it to you. You ready for this? Psalm 29. I'm going to put a flag in. The Lord sat as king at the flood. In fact, King James says, sat as king on top of the floods. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Folks, look at this again. He says, this is the Lord sitting as king on top of that flood 
that you are facing right now. Here's what blows me away. Do you know four times in these two verses the word Lord is used? And in Psalm 18, what we just read, there are 11 verses and 18 times he uses this word Lord. He ends with putting a flag there going, the Lord sits on top of the flood. The Lord does. And in fact, he is so emphatic about this word Lord, 18 times in 11 verses, he begins to use this. You, let me tell you how important this word was for anybody, that, that for, the, for, for rabbis and scribes. Do you know when a rabbi was reading the Old Testament and came across the word Lord, he would pause right there and just start to worship. When a scribe was copying the Old Testament and came across the word Lord, he would pause, put down his pen, and pick up a new pen because they said that word is holy. That word was sacred. Do you know Jesus is called Lord more in the Bible than he is called Savior? 747 times the word Lord is used in the New Testament. Because in order to understand that he's Savior, you must first understand that he is Lord. Let me explain this. Because Lord, let, let, me, let me explain it this way. Because Lord means to have all authority and all power. I, I hear people say sometimes, I made him Lord of my life. Sorry, too late. He already is Lord. You can't make him anything. Jesus is Lord already. Jesus said this, tell my disciples I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That basically means, heaven and earth basically means everywhere. There is not a spot that he is not Lord. Folks, let me just tell you something. People will ask me, what is it like to live in New York City? If New York City is part of heaven and earth, he is Lord. I don't care where you live, he is Lord. He has authority. It doesn't matter where there is a flood. It doesn't matter whether you live in Florida. And it doesn't matter whether you live in New York City. We serve Jesus as Lord. Because we have to understand how important this is. And we need not fear what Satan does when we know who Jesus is. Because if we know him as Lord, I'm telling you, there is, not a, there is not a flood that can come our way. Our standard is his lordship. We rally around the one who is in authority and control of heaven and earth. That's why when you're, if you're on a ship and everything and that ship is going back and forth, you better hold on to the thing that doesn't move, not the, the stuff that's going back and forth. Because some of you have found yourself in a storm hooking up to people that are just as much vulnerable as you are, and that's why both of you are going back and forth. The only thing on a ship like that that's immovable is the Lordship of Christ. You hook up to him and say, God, you have authority over heaven and earth. Only God can do that. That's why, look at the word Lord that's used over and over again. Listen to Isaiah 42. But now the Lord who created you, Israel, says, don't be afraid. 
for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Here it comes. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, what does it say? I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not what? When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. How come? Verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, controlled over heaven and earth. That's the rallying point. The Lord shall raise up a standard. The Lord shall raise up a standard. It's putting down a, that marker, that standard, and saying, in the middle of the flood, God is with us. God is here. Let me close with this. We spent, Cindy and I spent some 30 years in Detroit, Michigan. And there was an old preacher named S.M. Lockridge in the city of Detroit, passed away by the time that I got there. And I was reading one of his messages. And that man in the area that his church was put down a standard of who Christ was, was not going to be overwhelmed by anything else. And he started talking about the Lordship of Christ. He put down a standard and just said, in the midst of the flooding and all that's coming our way and just all the challenges even that city was facing, he put down a standard. And as he was preaching, I wrote down his words. I was, he was overwhelmed with who God is. I was overwhelmed going, that's the standard I'm running to. That's the place I'm going to. I, I want to just read to you what Dr. S.M. Lockridge said. He was overwhelmed with the Lordship of Christ. Overwhelmed. Just like David was in Psalm 29. Just kept saying, he's the Lord, he's the Lord, he's the Lord. 18 times in 11 verses. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard. And listen to me. Whether you're a Christian leader that's watching, whether you're on staff at a church, I want to just say this. There is no standard but the name of Jesus that has to be established. I don't want to be known as a church that preaches on this and preaches on I want to be a church that preaches on one standard, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That Christ is a, that's the only thing that's immovable. And in these times, we need Jesus preachers. We need to standardize and go, this is what we, listen to Dr. S.M. Lockridge and what he said. He said, my king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. There's not a telescope that can bring him, make him visible. The coastline of his shoreless supplies, no barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Listen to this now. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally grateful. He's imperially powerful. He says, do you know that Jesus? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He is august and unique. He's unparalleled and he's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature, the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the causal necessity 
necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age, the superlative of everything good. You have to call upon him, the all-sufficient Savior. Do you know him as Lord today? Listen to this. He supplies strength for the weak. He sympathizes, he saves, he strengthens and sustains, he guards, he guides, he heals the sick, cleanses the lepers, forgives the sinners, discharges the debtors, delivers the captives, defends the feeble, blesses the young, serves the unfortunate, regards the aged, rewards the diligent, beautifies the meek. But I wonder if you know that he is the king. And then he says this. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway to deliverance. He's the pathway to peace. He's the roadway to righteousness. He's the highway of holiness, the gateway to glory. Do you know him as Lord? His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. And his word is enough. Just when I thought he was finished, he wasn't. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I wish I can describe him, but he's indescribable. That's who he is. He's indescribable, incomprehensible, invincible, irresistible. He, then he says this. Let me finish. He says, you can't get him out of your mind, and he can't get him off your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found that they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him because he is the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He is the King! Come on, stand up! Let's just praise Him right now! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That's the standard. That's the standard. He is Lord. He is Lord. That's the rallying point. Folks, it's, it's, it's bedlam from Ukraine to Russia, from Iran to Wall Street, from Florida to Washington, D.C. You can't rally around. And folks, either you are overcome or you are an overcomer. And the only way to be an overcomer is to find yourself rallying at the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is Lord who sits over the flood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those that are online, but those that are here today, I, that inevitability, you are facing those floods today. And maybe with nobody even knows, the water is rising. And you forgot that the rescue is as sure as the battle. He is there. He is there for you today. I want to plant a flag right here and say, he is Lord. It's the rallying point. The Lord sits over the flood. The Lord sits on top of the flood in the balcony on this main floor and we're going to pray for you online but if you're here today and to say pastor tim the enemy he came in like a flood 
He has found the cracks. He has come in and it's overwhelming. And almost like me, you felt your knees and legs buckling and started questioning everything. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came right behind and goes, let me help you carry that load. Right now, if you feel that overwhelming of that flood, I just want you just to lift your hands to him right now. Just lift your hands to him. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, you are my standard. Your Lordship. You are Lord. Have all authority over heaven and earth. That includes me. And I believe today that the enemy shall come in like a flood. But I also believe the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard for me in my house, in my heart, in my life. And I thank you. I confess you as Lord in charge all authority, all power, in Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, right now, just tell him, just say, I am an overcomer. Tell him right now. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.